Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you are about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. For more information and content, or to connect with our worldwide Liquid Church community, log on to liquidchurchonline.com. All right, well, good stuff. Lots and lots of questions. I just want to say, hey, everyone, if we haven't met already, my name is Tom. I'm one of the pastors here at Liquid Church, and you know what? I thought before we actually receive communion, you see the communion table in front of you, I think it actually makes sense for us to just pause just for a second here and consider what we just saw before we actually engage in what's in front of us, okay? And as you heard Pastor Dave mention earlier, we're, we're now just coming off the heels of what's been an incredibly engaging series, right? FAQ, right? A collection of messages where actually we took a stab at some of the hot button questions, some of the hot button issues that each of you had. Things like, you know, how is a Christian supposed to respond to the GLBT community? Right? Or is it okay for me as a believer to have tattoos, uh, to drink a little bit of wine, to smoke? Is it okay for Christians to have plastic surgery? You know, when should I say when to drinking and, and sex? And, and still many of others of you, you had questions dealing with charismatic gifts and, and speaking in tongues. And, and you know what? I, I have to admit this. Someone actually managed to sneak this question in there as well. Someone asked, how come all the pastors at Liquid have either big hair or no hair? I don't know. It was one of your questions. I, I, we're still trying to figure that one out. I, I don't know what it is. But seriously, seriously though, each one of you, you all ask such great, great questions. And our only regret, actually, honestly, was that you know, our, our, our time was very limited, right? And, and literally, we had over hundreds of questions submitted. So our only regret is actually that we weren't able to answer every single one, which is why I'm super thankful that we all got to watch that video together just now. Because as you can tell... Uh, Rob Bell, the, the, the speaker there, he actually goes straight to the heart of an area where a good number of your questions actually fell. A lot of the questions that you asked actually fall into this category. Questions like this one. Why does God give me a heart and passion for children, but then let me be infertile? Or, or, or even this one, also dealing with children, but from a completely different perspective, ask this. I work with children who have been abused by their parents. Many have no understanding of what has happened to them. Why would God let these innocent children hurt so much? How can any good come of this? I mean, you try answering a question like that in 500 words or less. You try answering a question like that in 30 minutes or less, Right? Or, or how about this submission? Why would God allow such a devastating relationship, betrayal, abandonment, etc., into my life and not change that person or bring me someone better? And folks, can, can, you, can you hear the pain? Can you hear the confusion in these questions? I mean, imagine, some of you don't even have to imagine because these are your questions, but imagine, put yourself in these situations. These aren't just theoretical whims. No way. These are born out of the realities of life. Right? How about this one? If God loves us more than anything, this is classic, right? If God loves us more than anything, why is there so much suffering and starving people around the world? You know, we're doing this 5K on Saturday, right? Clean water, right? And there's all this dirty water around the world. Why is that happening if we have a loving God? 
One person put it as simply as this. Why isn't God taking away my pain? Why? Folks, these are all the big questions of life. These are huge these are the kinds of questions that, uh, this is the way I think of it, these are the kinds of questions that keep you up at night and drag you down during the day, right? You know, back when I was in seminary, we learned this sort of fancy little academic word called theodicy. Theodicy, which is basically a ready defense of God's goodness and omnipotence, his power in light of the very real existence of of evil. It's this sort of packaged way of thinking, hey, you know what? I know that God is good even when the world around me stinks. It's kind of having this attitude of, oh yeah, but you know, God is still good. And I just remember, I remember hearing this word, this concept for the first time, and I'm sitting there in my, you know, nice little climate-controlled classroom, taking notes, you know, and I remember thinking to myself, man, this, this whole theodicy thing, it, it, it's just, it, just, it just sounds so like, ah, so sterile, right? Even, even a little bit shallow, L- like, like some sort of emotionally tone-deaf company line that I'm supposed to give to someone when they're in true suffering, when, when they're in a pinch, right? As if, I mean, just let's just think about this now, as if I could honestly go to a person, as a pastor, as a, just a believer, as if I could go to a person in real pain. I'm not, I'm not talking about like, I'm talking like real pain, like a child's death, a terminal illness, an adulterous affair, as if I could go to that person and encourage them to, you know, sort of adopt this attitude of God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. I mean, that would just be ridiculous, right? Is that just me? I, just, I would feel ridiculous doing that. I mean, sometimes we want answers, don't we? We want explanations. We want to know why, why it is that we suffer like we do if we have such a great and powerful God. Can somebody please explain this? Some of you have been asking these sorts of questions for years. I've met you. I've talked to you. Some of you somehow have... have some of you have actually managed to somehow avoid these questions. But here's a promise for you. They're waiting for you right around the corner. They're just waiting for you. Have a nice day. Right? I mean, it's just, uh, sorry, but that's just, that's just the way that it is. But here's the thing. You are in great, if you've asked yourself, if you've ever asked yourself those kind of questions, you're in great company. Because these are the same exact type of questions that Job had. Job was this Old Testament character, he was found in the Old Testament, who had it all. I mean, in fact, the the first chapter of the book named after him, Job is described this way. In page 352, Job chapter 1, it says this. He was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Folks, you need to understand. Job was a God-fearing man. Job was a God-fearing rich man. This guy literally had all his bases covered, spiritually, materially, just in all ways. But in a snap, 
through no cause of his own, he lost everything. Everything. Uh, all of his livestock and his servants, his very source of income, gone. Uh, his very livelihood, his own health, gone. In one day, his seven sons and three children, gone. Why do bad things happen to good people? Where is God when it hurts? How can a loving God allow so much pain? Do you think that maybe our friend Job had a question like this or two for God? I mean, I mean, you talk about, you know, you talk about absolute anguish. This God-fearing, like, just super, like, God-devoted man, okay, he actually winds up cursing the very day that he was born. And only two chapters later in Job chapter 3, verse 3, it says, may the, death of my, may the day of my birth perish, and the night it was said, a boy is born. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Folks, pain does this to a person. Can I get an amen? Pain does this to a person. Pain without answers, especially, those are the toughest questions to deal with, bar none. Right, let, me just, let me just go live here for a second. Just two weeks ago, we were, we were just starting up our FAQ series. It was right here, okay? And we we're just starting it up, and someone from Liquid, actually in this particular service, we'll just call her Bonnie for now, Okay? She came up to me after one of the services and she shared with me how her son-in-law was supervising construction at a job site. Right, right here in the Garden State Parkway in, in Jersey South, South Jersey. And, and that's when one of his own dump trucks plowed right into him. And, uh, you know, medevacs came and, and they took him to the hospital in Atlantic City. But less than an hour later, Bonnie's son-in-law left behind a wife and two young kids. Why does this happen? This is someone right here worshiping with you right now. Why would God allow this? Is there, is there any surprise when questions like these start to pile up? You know, why, God? Why? Why are you doing this? What do we do when we don't get all the answers to our FAQs? What happens then? And I wonder, something that I think about sometimes is, I wonder... Would even having all the answers actually fix anything at all? Probably not. See, folks, there are times when the best and only honest, healthy thing that you can possibly do is actually to shake your fist and rage against the heavens while demanding an explanation. And you know what? That is okay. Do you know that you have a God that is big enough to handle that? You actually have a God who is big enough to handle your most 
gut-wrenching, painful questions. And sometimes that's the, that is the best that we can do. That's the best that you can manage. It's just to shake your angry fist at God and ask why. And, and, and you know what? That's okay. He knows. He knows. Because just as we saw in the video, true wisdom... The, the kind that we later see in the life of Job, as, as we saw in the video there, and the kind that my friend Bonnie actually communicated to me as she assured me time and time again that, you know what, all is actually well. All is well with her, all is well with her family, because of a bigger God. You see, true wisdom, the kind that sustains a person through real suffering, that kind of wisdom knows when to speak and when to be silent. Why? How? Because it's understanding that your story is not over. Your questions may still be alive and active and they may be burning inside of you, but your story is not over. The last words have not been spoken. There is no the end in your story right now. And there's a lot more actually going on than you and I can possibly realize. One of my favorite Old Testament verses is this. There's this Old Testament verse that puts it this way. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. You know, centuries later, Jesus, while teaching his disciples a foundational truth, put it this way. He says, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will what? Oh, you will understand. That's right. In other words, are there secrets? Listen to me carefully now. Are there secrets only God knows the answers to that he will not tell us this side of the cross? Are there things in life that are actually too lofty for us to comprehend and to grasp? Are there divine reasons and explanations to, 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 that are just too much for us to handle right now? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But don't lose sight of this. There are also plenty of answers that God has already revealed to us. Answers that can and will sustain us today. Scripture says that the secret things belong to God, but the things revealed belong to us that we may follow the Lord. You see, folks, for now... There are plenty of truths. There are actually more answers than you and I know what to do with. Do you understand that? There are more answers than you and I know what to do with. It's like that quote I once heard from Mark Twain. He put it this way. It ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It is the parts I do understand. You see, folks, no one here is going to dare minimize your biggest questions. In fact, 
It's because some of them are so big that we want to acknowledge that we have an only bigger God that can and will answer them in due time. Can we just acknowledge that truth for a second? We have a bigger God that's going to answer those questions in due, in due time. But meanwhile, there are things, there are truths that he has already revealed to us. There are truths that he has, or answers that he's had already provided us with, truths that can sustain us today. And this is where something, this is why I wanted to pause before we took communion, because communion, this table that you see in front of you right now, this is where something like communion comes into the equation. Because you know what, folks, can I just be honest with you? Can I just kind of share with you a, a little secret of mine? Here it is. Every time... I've actually had the privilege of serving you communion. Every time I've actually received communion for myself, one of the truths that sort of goes through my mind is this. He, he, for whatever reason, God just always puts this truth in my mind whenever we receive communion. That is this. Even though there are times in my life where I feel like there's more confusion and pain and questions than there are satisfactory answers, Whenever I receive or administer communion, it forces me to remember, hey, Tom, shut up. Shut up for a second. And, and just remember, Tom, you have a heavenly father who saw it best to put his own son to put his own son through an infinitely more painful situation. Jesus' body broken. Jesus' pure and innocent blood shed. You have a heavenly father who saw it, just, he saw it better to put his own son through that kind of a situation for a greater purpose. In other words, the communion table reminds me that I have a savior I have a Savior who had his own excruciating, gut-wrenching, woe is me, where are you, God, painful questions for God the Father as well. You know, Matthew chapter 27 says that Jesus cried out in a, lo in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did you know that your Lord and Savior asked the same questions? See, my prayer is that the communion table would remind you of the truths already revealed to you as well. Not just so that you can just dwell on your own questions, but this is a time, communion is a time where we reflect, where we remember the truths that were already revealed to us. Is this making sense? Now, author Philip Yancey put it like this. Any discussion of how pain and suffering fit into God's scheme. In other words, if you have any questions uh, about fairness or about undue pain and suffering, any discussion of how pain and suffering fit into God's scheme, God's plan, ultimately leads where? Back to the cross. You see, folks, the cross is where the biggest, darkest, most painful questions were both raised and silenced. It, it wasn't fair. Can we just acknowledge? It was not fair for a perfect, faultless Jesus 
to pay the price of our sins with his own life. Would you agree? Yet that's exactly what he did. And so although I may have some other lingering temporary questions, secret things, that answers that only God knows right now, communion, what we're about to participate in right now, communion helps me remember the most important thing, the most important, the most important truth that God has already graciously revealed, namely that I have a Savior, his name is Jesus Christ, and that he came and lived on this earth and died for my sins, and that one day I will be reunited with him. That's what the communion table reminds me of. So even in the midst of our greatest questions, momentarily unanswered, you and I, can still find true hope in remembering the greatest revelation. The scripture puts it this way, and I'll close with this. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he actually took bread, and it symbolized his own body. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The next verse says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And folks, that's exactly what we're about to do in a moment. The communion table helps us to remember what truths, what answers he has already revealed to us. And so, folks, that's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to remember him in, in one of the ways that he asked all of his believers to remember him with, and that is through communion. But before we do that, let's pray real quick. Let's just pray. Father God, I need to remember that the secret things belong to you, just as scriptures say, but that the things revealed actually belong to me and to my children. In other words, I'm, to, I'm supposed to teach them teach them to my own kids, teach them to people I love, teach them to the people around me so that we would live in a way that continually worships you. And right now, that's exactly what we, that's the only thing, God, that we want to do right now. We actually want to remember you in the way that you have asked us to remember you. And that is through the bread, your body broken, through the blood, your blood shed for us. So we thank you for these truths revealed and help us to anchor down in these truths. Not get lost in our questions, but help us to anchor down in these truths and find our hope, find our life in it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Audio. If this message has touched you, we'd love to know how. Just email Pastor Dave Adamson at churchonline at liquidchurch.com. For more information and content, or to connect with our worldwide Liquid Church community, log on to liquidchurchonline.com.